0: Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith.
1: Welcome back to the Key 3 Educators podcast. Hey, if you didn't listen to part one of the interview with Andrew Pudewa, you've got to do that. It was rich and encouraging and empowering and we're gonna continue with part two today. There are biological and anatomical differences, besides just the more obvious ones, between boys and girls, and they have a huge impact in how we need to educate them. The information in this interview is especially empowering if you are educating boys, whether you're a teacher, an administrator, or a home educator, You cannot afford to not have this knowledge. As the mom of five now adult sons, this subject is near and dear to my heart, and I'm so grateful for the insights that Andrew has shared thus far and is going to continue to share with us today. In case you're just joining us or forgot from last week's episode, Andrew Pudewa is the founder and principal speaker of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or IEW, as it's more commonly referred to. He speaks around the globe and addresses not only writing and language arts teaching, but music, which as a teacher of violin for over 30 years, he's well qualified to address. You can find information on IEW curriculum, which covers All grade levels and all components of language arts, as well as information about Andrew's speaking engagements on the IEW.com website. And I strongly encourage you to check it out. You won't be disappointed. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about the learning differences between boys and girls. If you haven't already, make sure not to miss part one of our conversation. And now let's jump in for part 2 of my conversation with Andrew Poudawa. So, and it's not just hearing. So you you've talked about some of the other differences. Can you walk us through some of those other Yeah, things?
0: the the area that struck me even more in a way than hearing is vision. How the male and female physiology is actually different and it has to do with the way in which the retina is connected to the optic nerve. Now you may recall, uh, if you had enough biology or anatomy once upon a time. That's
1: been a long time ago.
0: <laughs> but in the uh, in the eye, we have rods and cones. You remember rods and cones?
1: I remember the concept, not what they do, but yeah.
0: <laughs> right, well, I that was about where I was at, and Sachs explained, Well, the rods are larger cells and their function is to detect um, movement, speed and distance, right? Movement and speed. Whereas the cones are smaller cells and their function is to process light information having to do with color and texture. Um, So we have these two functions. And then with convergence of vision, we get depth perception and more accurate distance. And so with um, speed, direction, color, texture, distance, that's how we see everything we can see. Okay. Now, the interesting part is that most males, and this is true for all mammals, not just humans, but most male mammals... Have more M cells connected to the rods, and most females have more P cells connected to the cones. So most males will process information having to do with speed and direction with greater intensity or vibrancy, whereas most females will process information pertaining to color and texture with greater intensity or vibrancy. And that's just physiological. You can observe that in the, the structure of the eye and the nerve system. It also, however, comes out behaviorally. Um, you, now you had all boys, um, but you've known girls. Um, What's really interesting is if you hang out with a group of kids who are, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, and you watch them draw pictures with little guidance, they can draw whatever they want. Um, Very often, the boys are trying to draw verbs. They're trying to draw, you know, motion, arrows flying through the air, explosions. things falling from the sky. And most girls tend to be drawing things, nouns. So flowers, faces, horses, horses, more horses, a lot of horses. (laughs) Um, And the problem is that nouns generally look better. So when you look at a boy's drawing, you know, And you've got the hypothetical situation. Uh, This lovely, wonderful kindergarten teacher, she's taken all her principles of psychology. Uh, She's had arts methods class. She's got, you know, child development out the ears. The only thing she's never heard in a teacher training course is that boys and girls are different. In fact, if anyone said that in most public universities, they'd be summarily dismissed or silenced or canceled. So, you know, so she sees the little boy and he's got this drawing and she comes over and says, Hey, Billy, that's a nice drawing you've got going there. What is it? And Billy says, well, it was a spaceship and it took off and then it got smashed by an asteroid and it broke into a million pieces and it's falling all over Lake Michigan. And he's used one color, probably black. And the teacher, trying to be encouraging and nurturing and all that, said, well, that's lovely. Now, you know, Billy, next time you want to draw a spaceship, I actually have a book over here of airplanes and spaceships. You're welcome to look at that. And, you know, if you um, used a little more colors in your drawing, well, then it would be a little more colorful with the implication that would be better. And then she goes next door to Sally, and Sally's sitting there hard at work, and, you know, she's got her little house with smoke coming out the chimney and the the flowers in the front and the rainbow in the back and the horse on the front lawn, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, the teacher says, oh, Sally, that's such a, a lovely picture. I really like how you did that and all the detail and all the colors. Good job. Well, it doesn't take very long for Billy to figure out teacher likes that, doesn't like what he did. Even if she's trying to be equally as supportive or outwardly enthusiastic. And so, you know, Sachs says that if you had to choose between separating boys and girls in schools between primary grades, K one two or high school, if you had to choose separating them in primary grades would have more benefit because it's in those early years that kids will start to compare themselves with each other. And so the boys will compare themselves to the girls and say, well, I'm not good at drawing. I shouldn't do that and give up on it. Or the girls will compare themselves with boys and say, well, I can't do that. I shouldn't do it. So in a way, and this is kind of an irony, but Sachs was saying, when you have boys and girls in separate environments, they are all able to strive to a higher level because they're not comparing themselves to kids of the other sex and consequently saying, I'm not good at something. Exactly. And those those decisions happen at a very young age
1: yes and i think when you when you add into that the fact that and and this is very scientifically established is that on average and like you said there are always those exceptions that girls have a they enter language development earlier than boys and often with reading and because traditionally schools are so language centered in terms of of reading and writing then when you multiply the impact of all of those types of experiences over time, I mean, boys can come out of by the end of first grade and they have already labeled themselves and girls have already labeled themselves and not only themselves, but sometimes they can start labeling just each other as a gender. And, yep. and then that that begins to carry over. So these have very real consequences in terms of not just educational achievement, but in terms of personal identity.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of teachers and parents, they get all up in arms because they have a six-year-old boy who can't read and doesn't want to. Not interested in learning. Oh, no, this is a problem. Well, maybe it's just normal. And there are countries in this world that do much better than we do educationally in terms of results. And they don't worry about reading and writing much until the kids are seven, eight, eight years old in Scandinavia. Uh huh. Okay, you know, if you got a six-year-old, five-year-old, four-year-old who wants to read, okay, teach him. But when you start to force a five or six-year-old boy to do something he cannot do n- neurologically, physiologically, you can create a lifelong hatred of that thing.
1: Exactly. Exactly I know I have a set of twins and they're um, number three and four and they had no interest whatsoever in reading when they they had just turned six so their birthdays' in August and I, they were like read why, why would I want to read? And I knew at that point there's no point let's just wait one year and by the next year they had this in, innate desire to read so you know that that can make a, a huge difference. Um, one of the other things that I know that you talked about was the differences even in the response to stress. And certainly we've had, especially over these last couple of years with COVID, high levels of stress and, and anxiety that have gone on in a lot of students' and teachers' lives. So what can you tell us about the differences in and the response to stress?
0: Yeah, so... That's so fascinating. And I've seen this again and again in my own children. I won't tell all the stories. But (laughs) as Dr. Sachs explained it, it has to do with the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So for males, most of us, our initial response to stress is to activate the sympathetic nervous system which causes an increase in heart rate, increase in blood flow, uh, increase in breathing rate very often. Um, There's a physicality to the energy and it is relieved by moving, uh, standing up, pacing. It's so interesting. You find that men very often when they're trying to think through a hard problem, will prefer to stand up or even walk or pace around the room. Um, And you very seldom see that in women. Um, You know, with, with children and boys, they may just get to a point of being kind of overwhelmed by the stress of having to sit in a chair for a long time and attend to something beyond their natural attention span level and and what do they do they want to hit something they want to jump they want to smash they want to and you know i think this is why you see boys have almost a compelling need for sports and exercise and working out and boxing and things that just at a younger age really don't often appeal to the girls um now Women under stress very often their initial reaction is to activate the sympathetic nervous system, and that is while the the sympathetic could be called fight or flight, the parasympathetic could be called uh, tend and befriend, hide and disappear. It it's kind of like the opposite. They'll they'll kind of calm down or they will not necessarily feel calm but they'll curl up they'll get under a blanket they will shut down in a way and and try to recover their equilibrium in that mode and so what we see then is that if we don't understand this then we aren't going to teach or discipline or interact with our kids of both sexes well. Um, Sachs tells this one interesting story. He went to a school that had taken the first grade and second grade and made it into a combo grade one, two boys and a combo grade one, two girls. Which, in my view, is a far superior teaching environment because you not only have all the boys in one room, you've also got mixed grade and ages, which is a better social environment in my experience. Well, anyway, he tells the story of visiting this school and the teacher of the grade one, two boys class, very wisely, had made chairs optional. Okay. that they could sit in a chair if they wanted to, but no one was going to make them do it. And he said, none of the boys sitting in chairs, they're all chairs are all lined up against the wall. And the boys are are standing at their desk, doing their work, kind of dancing around, you know, while moving a lot, having this freedom, Uh, or they were like on the floor under their desk, hunched in (laughs) secret agent style. And it, That school, by making that change, creating a boy-friendly environment and a girl-friendly environment, they improved their test scores way beyond the expected significant increase. Wow. Okay. Uh, And he's got a lot of stories like that. And, you know, I've seen this, you know, when my son was upset, everybody knew it, you know, he'd be (laughs) jumping up and down and screaming and pounding the table where's my knife somebody stole my knife i can't find my knife you know it's not a behavior thing he's just blowing off steam i remember the girls are very frustrating to me when they would get upset first you'd have to find them <laughs> you know they're on the couch blanket over their head it's 80 degrees in the house they still have a blanket <laughs> over their head is something wrong i don't know leave me alone did something bad happen to you can i help you no yeah no just leave me alone can i do anything for you just go away i i hate that i mean what do you do get their mother i'm useless <laughs> uh, but uh you know we see that schools in this regard are very boy unfriendly places Yes. And I I remember my father in his last few years, he would start repeating things that he had told me many times. So he, he's probably told me many dozens of times in our adult lives. I remember it was so painful to sit for so long in school. I just, all I could do was just Work hard to keep my body in the chair, and it hurt. It was physically painful and you know, I don't think there's a lot of ten year old boys who would articulate that to you. you know they they would just get up and go somewhere. that would be the normal thing. So I do think that in some schools, there has been an awareness of developmentally appropriate environments, and you know a need for more movement more flexibility, probably more frequent recess. I've even seen some good schools that do kind of a calisthenics kind of thing, first thing in the morning. Um, But that's the exception, not the rule. And a lot of schools, they're so driven by this need for improved test scores that they they don't want to waste any time on anything other than teaching to the test right and you know that's just so sad
1: right So there's and you have a to go back lot. to say how how am i going to measure education you know what's what's the goal here and i think that one of the things with this kind of information that administrators and teachers can really have to be courageously honest to ask themselves is Am I more committed to my comfort or what's normal and, you know, what I'm used to, or am I more committed to effectiveness, you know, for for education? And some of these things, I know in my own experience as a teacher, some of these things don't require that you have to take half of your class time and do jumping jacks, you know, even being able to incorporate activities where students can get up and just move around the classroom. and in some sort of way. But even if there's a little bit of that in in every class setting at the end of the day that that really does accumulate, you know, and have an impact. So with all of this, all of this these years of experience that you've had, do you have some specific techniques that that you've seen that you've read about that you've used that you would say, "Hey, if I could just tell schools and homeschooling parents to do these these things, what 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 kind of the top of your list look like as to just start here, maybe as a place to start because probably a lot of schools aren't just going to go out next year and all of a sudden divide up their classrooms into single gender you know classrooms, although maybe they might look at that. but where could they begin um, today with implementing some techniques that would take this into account?
0: Well, Today is particularly hard just because there's even more confusion about what is a boy, what is a girl. So if you're in that world of confusion, I don't, I see no hope. I, Correct, yeah. I, you're just going to, the if you're not a saint, you're going to leave. It's, it's just, it's too hard. If you are a saint, then you are going to navigate very treacherous waters. So we'll make the assumption that there's a school where at least the majority, if not the entire faculty, acknowledges that boys are boys and girls are girls and that there are differences. So the first thing I would say is get a book. I would suggest Warren Farrell's book, The Boy Crisis. Okay. Um, When I read that book, I understood myself better. I understood my father better, even though he's deceased. I understood him. I understood actually what my wife thinks about me better. I understood my son and all his friends better. I even understood my daughters better in terms of what they probably think about their boyfriends and husbands. So it's that kind of book that is, you know, again, it's, he's not got any kind of religious agenda. He's not particularly like a super conservative politically. I, in fact, I don't even know politically, but he is saying, here's the stats, here's the facts. And we need to do something about this. So I think that whatever classroom strategies a teacher or a school may come up with, they have to be on the foundation of a pretty good understanding. And so Farrell's book, and then um, Leonard Sachs' books are all very good. Um, Why Gender Matters, um, Boys Adrift, Girls on the Edge, and The Collapse of Parenting. Um, But I, I honestly like his first version of Why Gender Matters much better than the revised version. Okay. So if I were to recommend it for someone, I'd say try to get the first edition used on eBay or Amazon or whatever, because that actually has a whole lot more about boys in the classroom and teaching them and raising them. Whereas the new book, he was just forced to address problems like LGBTQIA business and the confusion that surrounds that.
1: Okay. So,
0: um I think
1: talking about that, I think that's one of the reasons why this topic is so important because we do have this cultural movement in the u.s to just do away with the very concept of genders yeah and so just affirming that there are differences between boys and girls men and women and they're not all about environment and parenting i mean there are things that are different uh like you were talking about just the fact of the the rods and the cones differences in the eyes i mean that's something that you know, for if someone says, well, I'm going to transgender or a child there's no way that they're going to be able to change that part of their makeup, right? They're, yeah. they're going to be stuck with that. And the, the, so I think that this is valuable and not just to say that this isn't just coming from a religious or political agenda. We're just talking about science
0: here. Absolutely. The other thing, um, I don't know if you listen to Jordan Peterson much but um, I would consider him possibly the smartest guy talking on earth that I know of, but he did a podcast with Warren Farrell. Okay. And I, I wish everyone on earth could listen to this thing because one of the things they both were able to articulate very clearly is that we need as a culture, To be more grateful for men who put themselves in danger, do hard things, work very, very hard just to keep the infrastructure of our whole society operating. Correct. And boys today need to be reminded. That it is okay to be tough. You know, there's this whole term of toxic masculinity. And I literally have heard on TikTok videos by kindergarten teachers talking about how they're trying to, you know, stifle the toxic masculinity of five-year-old boys. and. And that's just fundamentally wrong. Yes. Um, And I think that, you know, these people in this space are doing a lot to help us as adults not fall into this popular way of discounting the value of manliness. Right. And and Farrell points out a really good thing. If you want to help women, you have to help men.
1: Exactly. Because, right. because
0: women, almost all of them, will have a father and probably also a boyfriend or a husband. And they're going to have men in their lives. Yes. And if, right. if you're helping men be better men, the natural consequence is that they will be better men for women they will love and support and encourage and and be the type of men women actually want
1: exactly right so right. you know
0: that's the first step in terms of practicality you know think about things that capture the imagination of boys um you know i start every one of my videos I made one hundred and sixty-eight video lessons over the last four years.
1: Oh my goodness! Well, hats off yeah, to you. That is it, that is a job.
0: <laughs> it, it was a huge, huge project, but I made a point of starting every single class with a different joke.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Well, why? Because kids in general like jokes, and boys specifically really like to laugh and uh when i choose source texts i try to find source texts that are boy friendly weird animals or you know brave explorers or cool inventions and it's not like i'm not doing women too i mean we had madame curie and all sorts of things that were also Including, you know, female accomplishments, whatever. But but what I have seen is that in terms of a source text, if you have something that captures the imagination of boys, like a source text about eating insects, right? The girls like, ew that's disgusting. The boys like, whoa, that's weird. Maybe if I should go eat some ants, you know. Um. Uh, Or if you you have this kind of ugly, weird animal, the boy's like, whoa, that's cool. The girl's like, yeah, I never want to see that. But you know what? The girls are okay with it. They, They can write about it. They can deal with it. But if you don't have things that capture the imagination of boys, they tune out very quickly. And so, you know, I have tried in putting together really all of our products theme-based lesson books, the teaching, you know, materials we create for classrooms, as well as the online available video courses to, to be in that zone of capturing the attention of boys. You know, boys respond really well to being appreciated for who they are. And so when you joke with them, when you're, maybe a little bit physical with them, you know, in a safe, obviously uh, controlled way, Um, you you know, and, and you appreciate them for the little things they can do with their bodies or whatever, and don't let them be ground down by their maybe lack of interest in reading or something else that goes a long way. You can buy a lot of capital by getting a boy to love you when it comes to operating in a classroom.
1: Yes, right. Children encounter far more female teachers, you know, throughout a traditional education. And even for homeschooling families, typically it's mom who's home, handling most of that education. These things that we've talked about are incredibly important and not just because of the, the educational value to the students, but also the fact that they are pretty much dominated by, in their educational journey, whether they're private school, public school, or homeschooling in so many ways by a female presence. So mm-hmm. neither of us in any way are knocking females. I mean, I'm a female, you're the father of six daughters. So it's not about, again, it's not about lowering one gender or saying, oh, they're all fine, they don't need, they don't need any help in their own specific issues. But at the same time, I do agree that we've done a disservice by acting as if boys and men are all fine and they just need to kind of get their act together and then the world could all, you know, be, be a great place. Yeah. Um, Andrew, I want to thank you so much. You've given so generously of your time today and I'm just so honored to, to have you on. I want to give you the opportunity, anything that you want our listeners to know in terms of what you're up to. You're still traveling and speaking a great deal. And then anything, where can they go to find out more about you, more about the Institute for Excellence in Writing?
0: Yeah, sure. Our website is very easy. It's IEW.com. And from there, you can find links to conference audio talks, uh, articles that I have written. Um, if you go to IEW.com slash free hyphen lessons, then you can get uh, three weeks of free writing lessons, grammar lessons, level one of our poetry memorization program, which by the way is very boy friendly.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And, uh, and just try out some of our stuff and see if you like it. Um, you know, you could use it in a classroom. You could, use it in a homeschool. Um, We've found increasing number of parents who are wanting to do things with their kids uh, after school or during break or over the summer, kind of to enrich them. And I always say, you know, you teach your kids a little bit of our writing program. Even if they go back to school, it's going to be like their secret weapon. We also have a spelling program that I think is very useful for children who aren't learning well in a visual input method so you know you have mildly dyslexic or dyslexic nine ten eleven year old child you're trying to teach spelling it's tough because stuff is getting scrambled on the way in and it'll get scrambled on the way out so it's an auditory input method called uh, the phonetic zoo Uh, So we've got that. And then if you wanted to find me in person, we have an events tab and I will be speaking at 10, maybe up to 12 homeschool conventions in 2023 between March and July.
1: And I just want to reiterate that the materials that IEW has together, they're not just for homeschooling families. And so public schools use them, private schools use them, and you have an exhaustive array of uh, materials and curriculum, you know, and programs there. So I really encourage people to check that out. And also, again, just to put in a plug for the Arts of Language podcast. Thank you. um, Because I know, you know, in the description, it's like about supporting teachers of composition, but there's a huge amount of information in there that has a much wider net than just for um, teachers of language arts. Thank you again, Andrew. I so appreciate you being on here today. And I just want to encourage our listeners to implement what we've talked about and also to look into the uh, recommendation here of the book, The Boy Crisis. And I'll put some links and information in the show notes so people can have that
0: information. Thank you again. Thank you, Stephanie. Keep up your great work.
1: Oh my, hasn't this been a delightful conversation? Andrew has shared so much with us, and I encourage you, especially if you are the parent or educator of a boy, share this interview with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. This would make great discussion material for a professional staff development time. I encourage you to check out the IEW.com website for the Institute For Excellence in Writing, in the show notes, check out the resources that Andrew recommended. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a rating and a review. Reviews especially help the algorithms to pick up on this podcast so that other educators can be encouraged and equipped with the information, interviews, and resources on this podcast. Whether you're listening on your favorite podcast app or on the website, key3educators.com, I want to thank you for listening. And please, always feel free to reach out with a question, a comment, a suggestion. If there's a topic you'd really like to hear covered on this podcast or an interview guest you'd love to hear from, draw me an email and let me know. You can find the contact information and also a contact form on the website, key3educators.com, or you can also sign up for the Three Keys newsletter and check out speaking engagements that I offer. All right, until next time, my friend, do remember you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable.
0: Thank you for being with us today. For information on speaking engagements and resources for your school or family, visit the website key3educators.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.